We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Welcome to We the Deplorables podcast, a place for faith, family, and freedom. I first want to apologize for my long absence. I lost my dad July 18th of this year, and it has been quite a journey. Uh, Basically, trying to keep my head above water, continue to service my clients and my business, and then go through two houses. Uh, in two generations, my dad had a saying, why do today what you can put off until tomorrow, which that is not my philosophy. And so he never went through my grandparents, uh, items and, uh, it was an unexpected death. It was very, very difficult. Uh, I'm a daddy's girl. And, uh, anyway, it just has consumed a lot of my time. But here we are almost two months later and I've made really good progress and I've got to learn a lot about my family's history and find treasures like my dad's birth card from the hospital and report cards. And it's just been really, really neat. Um, Some of the treasures that my grandparents kept that I've got to um, collect and preserve for future generations. But I wanted to um, do an unusual podcast. Normally, I address issues and politics in light of the word and a lot of series on different topics. But I wanted to actually go into a prophetic word that I received from an individual who unfortunately needs to remain anonymous because of their call in Washington, D.C., I normally will not share words if there is not a name attached, but hopefully you can trust me in knowing that this person loves Jesus, they are extremely accurate, and they uh, are in the thick of things there, and a lot of great um, direction and inspiration from Holy Spirit. And so this individual gave me a word, they typed it up in notes and sent it over to me, and the Holy Spirit had given two scriptures to them, Proverbs 28, 25 and Proverbs 28, 28 in the Passion Translation. Verse 25 says, to make rash, hasty decisions shows that you are not trusting in the Lord. But when you rely totally on God, you will act carefully and prudently. And this one is really, really important. When wicked leaders rise to power, good people go into hiding. But when they fall from power, the godly take their place. And so I'm going to read the word after these scriptures. And then 
maybe give you some of my thoughts. Uh, this individual heard from Holy Spirit, there is going to be a great sifting. Wickedness is coming to full display. Pride is always the hook of destruction for the wicked. Don't be dismayed by the display of wickedness. If there's any way to prevent coming economic disaster, I ask that you do so. We don't deserve your mercy, and yet you give it anyway. By the way, that was a little bit of um, uh, prayer that we prayed uh, when we were praying into this word, because there's been several prophetic words of famine and economic disaster, and so that was a prayer I included. Sorry about that. Okay, um, I saw a stage like from an old theater with huge red curtains and an opening into the darkness of backstage. The spotlight was center stage, and out of the deep black darkness came a large, hairy monster. Long brown hair all over his body, in a curved posture and large, clawed hands. He came willingly, but reluctantly, onto center stage, into the spotlight for the audience to see. The Lord is saying, we've not seen anything yet. The powers or prayers to expose and shed light on what is in the darkness have not exposed anything yet. The things perceived as, quote, revealed by God are simply the monster's mistakes, but when I reveal him, it will be a full show with a packed house. I will bring to the light everything. Dealings in secret back rooms, undisclosed transactions, plans to pull the wool over the eyes on the righteous will be illuminated. Public health, financial institutions, the IRS, military, it will all be out in the open. It is up to my people to continue praying for these things to be illuminated as they have been, but to add, quote, how do we deal with it when it comes out? And so, Father, we ask that you show us how do we deal with it when it comes out? You will know the Lord's doing, not from his shaking but from his illuminating when there is no way for reasonable people to justify what was done. When the levy breaks, you have to have a direction. The godly have to be prepared in order to fill the vacancy left from the revealing of wickedness. Prepare in hiding to be proven for when the wicked are removed. So that goes back up to the Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-eight. So basically what I see in this word is that the, the hairy monster that's behind the scenes is going to basically be forced out into center stage and illuminating. Uh, he will come willingly, but reluctantly for all of the audience to see. And so exposure and illumination, uh, is uh, a prayer mandate God is giving in this word. And as far as like uh, public health, financial institutions, IRS, military, we can also say the DOJ, uh, over 50 Trump supporters had subpoenas or search warrants served against them, I believe yesterday. And so we have been labeled, those of us that are Trump supporters and those of us that uh, believe that the election was stolen, We've been lab- labeled as white supremacists, fascists, and terrorists uh, formally. It's a formal declaration. And so that empowered the DOJ to come after us and basically weaponized 
the judicial system. But I want you to notice that we will know it's the Lord doing, not from the shaking. So don't be alarmed by the shaking that's occurring in this nation. Uh, The sign that we will know when the monster is exposed is when even reasonable people are not able to justify what was done. Once that happens, the levy is going to break and we have to have a direction and we have to be able to fill the vacancy uh, that will be left by the people that are wicked being removed. Also, um, the next part of the vision is I saw Joe Biden wandering around the Oval Office. The room was bright. And as he was, he wondered, there was a dark silhouette constantly behind him. The silhouette was so dark, it absorbed the light and he didn't know it was there. I felt the Lord saying, if he knew it was there, he wouldn't allow it to stay. In the vision, he's wandering around, not because of dementia, but because he has no idea what to do in his position of authority, which was the Oval Office. He's like a tourist, not a president. A president wouldn't be walking around. He would be at the desk. The spirit is taking advantage of him. Now, I have to say, this one is a hard one for me because, I mean, we've all seen dementia. Literally, he's wandering around trying to figure out what he's doing. But it does seem that there is a spiritual influence in the Oval Office that Biden is not aware of. One of the things that the Lord showed me concerning Biden, and again, this was hard for me to accept as well, is that he actually has a little bit of a conscience. And so I've been praying into that. Um, I don't know with um, like the dementia, but also the Hunter situation. Uh, If you've watched my son Hunter, you know all of the corruption that has gone on behind the scenes, how much of a conscience he has. But I'm thinking that even a pinprick of a conscience, the Lord will try to break through. So those were the first visions. And then on 6-24-22, the same individual had additional information that we feel gave some clarity to the first ones. He saw a church in D.C., and again, he lives there, so this was in real life, and it had Corinthian pillars with the progress flag and pride banners, and it looked like a former government institution or building. Well, later he saw that same uh, church, in a, in a vision, and it was empty and destroyed with vines, and then it was like really cloudy, uh, like you might see in horror movies where everything's cloudy and kind of grayish. Uh, it's called National City Christian Church. That's the one that he saw in real life and then later in the vision. Next, he was on the levee, and he saw that there was a crack. So he bent down to touch it, and when he bent down to touch the crack, it exploded. He was then out in the ocean, and it was super still, and the sun was setting in the northeast. As he was floating, he saw golden ships, kind of like in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They looked like they were British, and they were far away. Um, The ships are also similar to those during the Revolutionary War period. And uh, so he saw them out there, and as he was looking at one, a giant cord grabbed him and pulled him suddenly and so fast that he couldn't do anything like the levee. So, you know, he touched it, bam, it's exploded, same uh, type of speed. And then he's placed on one of the ships. And he said that the ship was a hybrid of wood and gold. And the gold was like in the veins of the wood. 
He looks up and he sees the other ships with big cords like tentacles, tentacles, and they were plucking other people out like he was plucked. And there was nobody else on the ships. And it was like the ship was alive, but no crew, no other people. And that was the end of the vision. But the ships were good. They weren't bad. And the tentacle uh, that was pulling people out from each ship wasn't bad either. So the interpretation of the first part of the church, which sets the context for the second vision, is the church closing its door and the earth overtaking its shell uh, and the cloud dropping its gray shadow over big, beautiful buildings. This is the first of the sifting. The church had two stained glass windows of Garfield and Johnson. It's located at the city gate for all to see in Thomas Square. God told this individual that his comfort is ending. Those who have been in darkness will not know him. I will no longer be whispering to them. They have made themselves a part of the institution, and that's their inheritance. So that first part is referring to institutionalized uh, Christianity churches that have uh, forsaken the word or were never in the word, but they act like they are word-based, but they've embraced progressive, anti-biblical, anti-Jesus doctrine, such as homosexuality, abortion, and any other progressive idea. And then the scripture that the Lord gave for the second aspect of the vision is Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. Uh, I highly, highly recommend that you read it. I don't have my Bible, unfortunately, with me. I might run and get it in a second. But for the levy, he heard, we have not seen anything yet. The levy is about to break. A sudden ocean will engulf the entire earth. The righteous will find themselves in the depths. Do not stay in the water. The shaking is still not happened. You do not want to be in the water once the waves begin. He thinks that the ships are revolution and ships of revolution will keep you out of the depth. Those who escape the waves and enter the ships will captain the ships, prepare to be leaders for this time. Now, whether this is a spiritual revolution or actual physical revolution, we don't know. We do know that George Washington saw three woes come to America. The first was a revolutionary war. The second was a civil war. And right now, we need a revolution in our country of mindset and thought and a way to route out corrupt politicians and global elitists that are trying to hand America over on a platter. So again, we're not sure uh, if this is a spiritual or physical. Um, But the main thing is you don't want to be in the water. And the way to not be in the water is to embrace wisdom, allow Holy Spirit to direct you and to prepare uh, to be a leader for the time that is coming. Now, the curtains were read like in the monster uh, coming out on stage and they were uh, in, on the ships. It was the same color of red. Uh, so you've got old time stage, ship that's old time. Uh, so the, the Lord's trying to get people where he wants them to be. And the individual that saw this thinks that the ocean is calamity all over the, the world. And so uh, word, worship, wisdom, and witness. Those are the four words for the ships. Word, worship, wisdom, and uh, witness. I also want to finish off with, and I think I've talked about this um, vision before that I had on 
I believe it was January 6th. Well, I first had it before January 6th, and it was a huge American flag was in the background, and uh, I saw the throne of the Lord, and then on the the outskirts, it was like they were on a stage, and then uh, the audience were Christians, and they had like a lot of like little lights, uh, almost like you would see back in con- back in the day on, at concerts where everybody would have lighters and they would uh, flicker them. And uh, um, I saw at the foot of his throne, uh, with the, again the flag behind, at the foot of the throne, I saw a woman who appeared to be dead. I thought she was dead. She was completely naked. Uh, nothing private was exposed because she was like sideways. So like her side was facing outward and her skin had bruising and scratches and had a gray pallor about it. And she was, her head was resting on God's uh, knees. And, uh, and then I noticed a single tear rolling down her face. And so I asked the Lord, who is this? And he said, this is America. And we began to speak life into her from the audience, but nothing was happening. And the Lord told me that he is not mad at America as a nation, that his judgment is being reserved for those who have raped and plundered her, especially in the area of abortion. I then noticed, because this was pre-election, I noticed the um, Democrats on one side in the shadows waiting to move forward, and then on the other side was Netanyahu representing Israel, also in the shadows. And it really just mattered on what the leaders did and what the people of God do for, for basically the future of America. So we began to pray into this vision, and then... Fast forward to January 6th, I'm walking on my treadmill, I'm seeing the uh, capital situation going on, I'm very grieved in my heart because I felt it was a setup, and uh, immediately I'm back in that vision, everything disappears, but this time the woman had some pink in her skin and she was setting up. She was still in bad shape, but she was actually coming back to life And I thought that was very, very interesting considering all that was happening. And so I took hope in that. Well, last night uh, in our prayer time, the Lord told me to read Revelation 3. And this is to the church of Sardis, the congregation of Sardis. I know all that you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're actually dead. Wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies. For I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of my God. So remember all the things you've received and heard, then turn back to God and obey them. For if you continue to slumber, I will come to you like a thief, and you'll have no idea at what hour I will come. Yet there are still a few in Sardis who have remained pure, and they will walk in fellowship with me in brilliant light, for they are worthy." Now, what's interesting about the city of Sardis is that it was actually captured because the people were not awake to danger twice, once when King Cyrus of Persia took it over, and then once when Antiochus the Great uh, took it over. And so what I found interesting is that Jesus in this passage is addressing the congregation of Sardis implying that the nation or the city 
that they are living in, its safety and its future is dependent on the church waking up. Not the city, not the governor of the city or the mayor of the city. It's the church. The church is the predictor, the thermometer of a nation, a state, a city, a county. And the Lord is saying we need to wake up and basically become dissatisfied with business as usual. You know, the early church and even in the founding of this nation, if you look at the Bible, it is a political book. Every story, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, David, all of them uh, were involved in political uh, spheres of influence. And even the Lord, he said lots of things that were very political, but we've lost a lot of that in the translation because we don't understand the history and the context. And so the church has got to re-engage in the marketplace, which is both business and politics. And so we've got to not just be satisfied with Sunday worship and a good sermon and some bulletin announcements and maybe even a Wednesday service thrown in there. We've got to take the gospel and what that looks like as influencers and leaders into the marketplace or we're going to lose this nation. Now, let me see if I can bring up the Proverbs 1 in my program. No, I cannot. So let's see if I can bring it up on the website. So Proverbs 120 through 33, the Passion Translation. All right, let me read this to you. Wisdom's praises are sung in the streets and celebrated far and wide. Yet wisdom's song is not always heard in the halls of higher learning. But in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, its lyrics can always be heard above the din of the crowd. You will hear wisdom's warning as she preaches courageously to those who stop to listen. Foolish ones, how much longer will you cling to your deception? How much longer will you mock wisdom, you cynical scorners who fight the facts? Come back to your senses and be restored to reality. Don't even think about refusing my rebuke. Don't you know that I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you and bring to you the revelation of my words that will make your heart wise? I've called to you over and over. Still, you refuse to come to me. I've pleaded with you again and again, yet you've turned a deaf ear to my voice. Because you have laughed at my counsel and have insisted on continuing in your stubbornness, I will laugh when your calamity comes and will turn away from you at the time of your disaster. Make a a joke of my advice, will you? Then I'll make a joke out of you. When the storm clouds of terror gather over your head, when dread and distress consume you, and your catastrophe comes like a hurricane, you will cry out to me, but I won't answer. Then it will be too late to expect my help. When desperation drives you to search for me, I will be nowhere to be found because you have turned up your nose at me and closed your eyes to the facts and refused to worship me in awe. Because you scoffed at my wise counsel and laughed at my correction, now you will eat the bitter fruit of your own ways. You've made your own bed, now lie in it. So how do you like that? Like an idiot, you've turned away from me and chosen destruction instead. Your self-satisfied smugness will kill you, 
but the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace, free from fear, confident, and courageous. That one will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life.